back, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls of all ages to the first Between Holes podcast to ever take place in a church. It's been a minute since we've uploaded, and I'm sorry about that. I just was kind of going with the motion of the ocean, and I must have gotten sidetracked. The only people to keep me company today are a group of monkeys that are jumping back and forth from trees over there, and apparently a wasp's nest somewhere in the church, which I'm really hoping stays dormant for the next 10 or 15 minutes while I do this podcast, because I'm really not in the mood to get stung by a bunch of wasps anymore. I'm deathly allergic to them, by the way. If you didn't know, now you know. That's another fun fact about Robbie. So we're in Panama, of course, still waiting on a Volvo mechanic to come look at our broken engine. We've been here for about a week and a half. And anytime you go outside for longer than five minutes, you get immediately drenched in sweat. So it's just awesome being dehydrated all the time. And we love that. And we also love... No, you know, we actually really do that. Love that. I'm going to walk back. It, it, it makes you appreciate the winter months in a, in a new way that you haven't always appreciated the winter months. I remember being a college student in Boston and February is what we called hibernation season because it's so cold. Nobody even goes out to see friends and you just stay inside for a month. After being in the tropics for a month, I don't know. I I would love to just shove my face into a snowbank on the side of the Charles River. It sounds amazing. So we're in a church today, which is pretty cool. The marina that we're docked at, Shelter Bay Marina, has a bunch of old trails behind it and that walk go through the rainforest. I've been checking those out while we've been here. I have seen so much wildlife. We have seen armadillos. I didn't even know they actually existed. I've only ever seen them in a zoo and in Rango. But no, I saw a real-life armadillo. There are anteaters here. There are tons of ants, by the way. I think ants and mosquitoes, which there are also a ton of, are the two most dangerous species here. It's not the pumas and it's not the monkeys, which I have seen both. I actually haven't seen a puma yet and I kind of don't want to see a puma. There's snakes, there's frogs. I, it's, this, is, this is a literal rainforest and it is starting to be rainy season here in Panama. It rains pretty much every day, multiple times a day. Not all day like you get where I'm from, but it'll come, it'll rain super hard for maybe 30 minutes and then it'll stop once the cloud passes and the sun will be out again. Pretty cool. So I found this abandoned church, which brought me to want to uh, tell, uh, I figured since we were in the church today, I could tell a few of my favorite jokes uh, about churches and religion. Uh, (laughs) So so I was wondering if you guys knew what the best type of sandwich to eat in a place like this was. Grilled cheeses. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that's not my last one. So speaking of Jesus, you know, I I heard he was great at a lot of things, but he was pretty hit or miss when it came to sports. Dude tried and played hockey, but he sucked at it. He kept getting nailed to the boards. (laughs) He was a little bit better at basketball, though. He had a great layup. You know what I mean? Because the way he laid. Uh, 
Uh, his favorite sport was actually golf. You know, him and his friends uh, played all kinds of golf, regular golf, and apparently they loved disc golf so much. Him and his friends would always wear the frisbees around their heads. <laughs> I need to make friends. All right, I got one more. Okay, so uh, Jesus, you know Jesus, uh, tried to get into MMA, but actually had to retire with an 0-1 record. His first fight was against this Roman dude. (laughs) Beat him up so bad, he got KO'd for three whole days. (laughs) You get it? (laughs) Little Easter joke. At least I think that's how the story went. I don't know. I'm Jewish. So... Um, I'd never really read the Bible. I guess the Torah is kind of the same thing, but, uh, except for it's only the second half. The part with Jesus is, uh, not a part of my religion because Jesus was a Jew. Score one for the home team. So I thought since I'm doing the podcast inside of a church today, I could go over the top five things you can do in a church and with your partner at home. So without further ado, number one, whenever I go to the church, I always love to get down on my knees and pray. Of course, what the, you're, you're dirty. You're dirty. No, but with the, with your partner, it is actually very dirty. The act of getting down on your knees, but I do love. Whoa, pause. I'm going to have to bleep that out. I can't leave that in the final version. Number two, whether you're with your spouse or you're in a church, it always seems like you give them money for absolutely no reason other than peer pressure. That collections basket, which I've never seen, but apparently exists in many churches, it just seems terrible. You know, waving it in front of your face, you have to put a dollar or five in. It's kind of the same thing with my girlfriend. You know, paying for everything all the time and you don't really get anything in return. Just a lot of empty promises. Which brings me to number three. You can debate the same things over and over and over again, whether it's with your girlfriend or whether it's with the pastor, for absolutely no reason. Now, I've only ever been to synagogue, but... ah, Dude, these hornets are like all over the place. I just really don't want to get bitten by them. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, So terrifying. Okay, where was I? Number three on the list of things that you can... I'm going to try not to get distracted again, but I just can't make any promises. Like I was saying, it always seems like the rabbi is telling me to do the same shit every week. And whether it's with him or my girlfriend, one thing remains true. It doesn't matter how hard I try to be a better person. It always seems like they're right. And it always seems like no matter what I do, it'll never be enough. Number four, the church and your spouse, hopefully give great massages. Now, I don't know if this is true about your girlfriend, but my girlfriend gives me awesome back massages. And a bunch of the little boys that I always talk to on Sunday afternoons say they're priests do the same thing. (laughs) Ooh, that one was bad, that one was bad, but I do kind of feel like you guys deserve it. Over there at the Catholic Church, I kind of feel like you deserve it. If you didn't touch all those little boys, nobody would be making so many jokes about you guys touching little boys. I'm just saying. Number five on the list of things you can do in a church and also with your partner, eat their flesh and drink their blood. 
What more do I need to say? My grandma comes back every Sunday from church saying she ate the body of Jesus Christ and drank her blood. And I mean, yeah, you don't do that with your girlfriend, husband, partner, boyfriend, spouse, whatever. I don't know. Every, every Tuesday evening and Wednesday afternoon, my girlfriend always cuts down my chest and slurps up the blood and then goes ahead and nibbles off a little toe of mine. That's why they look so messed up. (laughs) Oh God. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm done with church content for the day. The podcast is kind of off the rails. Ah, you're going crazy. There's just a lot of heat and not a lot of people to talk to, which is why I'm trying to start the podcast up again. You know, I feel like it'll be good for me because I feel like I'm kind of talking to somebody right now, even though nobody really listens to this, but you know, maybe one day that'll change. Let's talk about Costa Rica because I promised I would on the last podcast. I really thought that I wasn't going to like Costa Rica at all. I thought that I was going to hate it because the prospect of going there just terrified me and I wasn't looking forward to it at all. And to be honest, I could not have been more wrong. I freaking love that place. Golfito Costa Rica is the favorite place that I've been to on the trip so far. There was awesome food, awesome people. And it was such a small town. It was so freaking sick. I got my scuba dive certification there. I've been scuba diving ever since. I now have scuba dived in the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean. Very different experiences, by the way. I made friends with a family who lived in Golfito. They invited me into their home. They fed me. I got to know the mom, the dad, the son. Shout out Marina. Shout out Mino. Shout out Juan. They made the best God damn ceviche that I have ever had in my entire life. Oh my God, was it good. I ate there every day. We were stuck in Golfito for four or five days because of some weather and not to say stuck. We weren't stuck at all. Every day I'd wake up, I'd go over to Marana's house. She'd make me some ceviche. It would just be a time and a half over there. We made friends with a taxi driver named Herman. Shout out Herman. If you're ever in Golfito, ask around for Herman. He's a guy that can get you stuff, whatever you need. And it was the first real place that we went to that had this rainforest tropical feel. I mean, it was beautiful turquoise blue ocean water and the backdrop of white puffy clouds. In the water, there was jumping manta rays. There was humpback whales. There was whale sharks. It was truly, truly, truly an incredible place. I loved Costa Rica and I can't recommend it highly enough. The other thing that was really cool to me about Golfito was that it kind of seemed like it wasn't completely set up for tourists yet. And here's what I mean by this. A lot of Central America that we've been to so far is a heavy tourist economy. And Golfito, I think, is in the process of becoming a tourist economy, but they are definitely not there yet. There's not a lot of stuff set up for Westerners or people from America. And I'm not saying that as a good or bad thing at all. I'm just saying it as a fact. And I happen to actually really like that because everybody was really nice to us, like it's a popular fishing destination. They're, they, they've seen tourists before, like we were. I mean, I guess we're half tourists. We're kind of passing by or not passing by. Um, but they weren't so inundated with tourists that it was a purely transactional experience. I kind of got that in Cabo a little bit. I kind of felt like walking $100 bills with feet just because of my white skin. And it's no offense to any people in Cabo and... 
or at all, but it, it kind of just felt like it was very transactional. They knew that I was there to spend money and they wanted to extract as much money out of me as they could and they knew the right things to say and how to act and how to walk and talk around me to give me what they thought I would feel was an authentic experience, but it ended up coming off as a little bit disingenuous. Not at all in Golfito. The people were genuinely nice. I genuinely think I made friends there that I will keep. I've been texting them since I left and overall just a fantastic place. We left Golfito. It took us about a day to get down here to Panama and we then docked outside in Panama City on the Pacific side of the canal. We waited four or five days to get all of our paperwork done, signed all the papers, went through the city. My girlfriend came to visit me, the lovely Sophia. Thank God she did. I missed her so much. It's weird not seeing the people that you're really close to for so long. I have my dad on the boat and Chris and Alan are on the boat. And now they're good friends of mine. At least I would like to think they're good friends of mine. I guess I've never asked, but as many of you know, I recently moved in with my girlfriend, Sophia, and she got a job in Wyoming and I followed her there for better or for worse for me. I just figured if I was going to be talking into a microphone, not doing much of anything anyway, I could go up there and the three weeks before I left, spending every day with her really made me feel like I had a... F fuck, bees, fuck. It really made me feel like I had a sense of home. It made me feel comfortable. Like I had somebody to talk to about my day. And I know it was only three weeks I was there before I left for this trip, but it kind of felt like I got into a routine a little bit and I liked it. So not seeing her for a month and then seeing her finally... It just felt like I could release all this pent up energy that I didn't even know I had in my body. I mean, there were things that were happening on the trip that maybe weren't bothering me, but maybe I needed to vent about that I didn't even know I needed to vent about until she showed up. It was great just being able to sit back and relax and listen to her talk about what's going on in her life and her days and just to hug somebody that you love after not touching them for so long. I'm not talking about anything weird, like nothing in a weird way, nothing in like a gross way. Just, you know, to hold somebody's hand and, and feel love through that connection was, was really awesome. I don't know. I can't, I can't say enough good things about the visit. And it was worked out great because we had to wait for paperwork anyway. So we didn't have to go anywhere. We knew there was nowhere for else for us to be. So she was able to come down for about three days. Then we went through the canal and it went great. It at least started off great. We went through, the Panama Canal is comprised of six locks and a lake. A lock is the aquatic term for a passageway that uh, is either flooded or drained with water to lift big things like boats up or down. So there's two locks on the Pacific side. And when you go in those locks, you go raise up up when you're going Pacific to Atlantic. And then you pass through a lake called Gatlin Lake. And it's about 100 miles across. And it's very beautiful, but very treacherous. There's a lot of islands and shallow waters, and it's unpredictable. There's one main channel you have to stick through. But because they send all the boats that go through the Panama Canal through that one channel, you have to get a local captain to come aboard your boat and help you guide across. And then on the other end, 
It's three locks on the way down back to the Atlantic. And the locks are probably about 25 to 30 feet wide. And they are made out of concrete. So you go in and you're at the very top of the lock and then you drop down about 20 feet. And then you have to do that 20 more times. So it's about 100 maybe plus feet from top to bottom. I'm not sure how much it is exactly. We go through the first locks, everything's great. Gatlin Lake is beautiful. The second we pull into the locks on the Atlantic side, the Gatlin locks, we have engine trouble. And we're pulling up to the side to dock our boat on the side. They stock up your boat with a bunch of, we had all the fenders and lines ready. And then our engine gave out, which caused us to go into a tailspin and crash into the Panama Canal. And we caused extensive damage to the back of our boat. It all happened, I'm sure, very quickly, but it appeared to me like it was happening in slow motion. I watched the whole thing. The engines, we were just full bore ahead trying to avoid the wall, and our boat was just slamming back and forth into the wall. And then the worst part was it happened when we were in the first lock, but then they went ahead and dropped us down. So now we're in a situation where there was absolutely nowhere for us to go and nothing for us to do besides continue ahead without engines in the Panama Canal. Like this is the last place that we would ever want this to happen. And we've been at sea for more than a month no problems with nothing. The sails work great. Mechanically, the engines work great. The fridge is working great. We've had no problems. And we have complete engine failure in the pan, like in literally, it's not even in, if it happened in Gatlin Lake, it would have been okay. But like the second we couldn't have anything go wrong, of course it goes wrong. So Murphy's Law, anything that can happen will happen. Our pilot captain joked with us and said that Murphy was from Panama, and that's why it happened to us there. I don't know if there's gremlins that live in the Panama Canal or what. So that was our crazy Panama Canal story. And after we finally got uh, to the other side of the canal, which was a very, very stressful and scary experience, we went into the aptly named Shelter Bay Marina, which sits on the Caribbean side, right at the mouth of the Caribbean Open. And that was last Wednesday. Today is Tuesday, so it's almost been a week, and we've just been waiting for some repairs to get done. We need to take off the solar panels in the back of the boat, which were smashed up. The corners of the back of the boat were smashed up. Thankfully, not enough to take on any water, but there is some structural damage. And... Finally, we need to fix the engine. So we've just been waiting for those three problems. Hopefully we'll get them resolved by about tomorrow and then we'll be back up on the way. As for now and today in the podcast, I think I'm gonna go explore the jungle a little bit more. There's fascinating species of birds here. They're every single color under the sun and I just can't imagine what evolutionarily advantage a bright, bright yellow bird is, has, but I'm going to go try and figure it out. That's the update. I've told my church jokes. <laughs> the grilled cheeses. And I guess I'll update tomorrow, whether or not we get out of here or I'll find another place on land to do it. I've actually quite enjoyed podcasting from a church or an abandoned church. I hope I didn't offend anybody. Big man upstairs. Until tomorrow, I'm Robbie. This is the Between Holes Podcast. Peace!